Alrighty, welcome to Wednesday Night Musical Osmosis, where intelligent, dissonant thought meets melodic, euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, broadcasting to you as always from the shadow of Hurricane Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my percussively proficient co-host, calling in, well, again, this week, calling in from North Carolina, my pal, Odell. Hey, what's up, man? Now I'm actually back in Baltimore. <laughs> oh, are you back at Charm City? Yeah, it was a, it was, it was only a short trip, and actually, my mom, uh, you know, I was, we were going down there for um, just to hang out and then um, come back. So um, she got, you know, she was able to get out of the hospital and everything uh, before we left. So the kids got to hang out with her. But um, so yeah, we we came back Sunday night. Right on. Well, welcome yeah. back, sir. It's nice to be back Thanks, in man. Baltimore now that the weather has changed, huh? Oh, yeah, it's gorgeous. It's been uh, the last couple of days. We came back, it was pretty hot, but uh, these last two days have been great. Right on. All right, let's talk about what we got coming up. We're not going to do any news tonight because I'm sure the guests tonight, we're going to have a lot to talk to about. Uh, D, who do we have coming up on the show? Because we've only got one more show left before we start building out our new site and take a little break. We do. We have got next week, Scott Hill, Fu Manchu will finally be joining us. Uh, he wasn't able to join us again this week. He had a prior whatnots that he was and last week he was down with the fu man flu i I think i might be feeling a touch of the fu man flu myself i'm hoping not but uh, you never know well if you start growing a mustache i'll let you know okay okay that sounds good i do have uh, something that i will be working on we just released the first episode of sanderson says and that is of course with me and william sanderson from deadwood um, if the older people remember him from New Heart. He's also from True Blood. And he has a new book out, Yes, I'm That Guy. And I'll actually be in Baltimore for about three Woo-woo. to four weeks um, working on our music documentary, getting the new site together. Dee will be doing most of that work, the new musical osmosis site. And we'll be having a signing and appearance. I'll be working with William at Atomic Books. When is that? June 29th. So any Maryland residents should come out and see us. It's going to be so Definitely. cool. It's and then we're going to have an after party at April's, and I'm going to try not to invite like 300 people there. Yeah, I don't, I don't no know. No promises. Right. Yeah, I don't know if she's... <laughs> I think April would be fine with it, actually. I think she would. I really do. Mm-hmm. Everybody drunk in the ball pit. Um, By the way, guys, like I said, we are going offline. How long? Um, until like... Almost August, I think. I think we're going to do one yeah. more show in June because I'd like to do a live show, like sit in the same room with you, Odell, and do a show. Which yeah. Fun. Yeah, that would, that would be great because, we, I mean, we've been doing this for four years now, and uh, you know, I don't think we've been in the same room. So, yeah, that would definitely be a uh, I mean, we've been in the same room thing. in four years. We've just never brought you. Yeah, yeah, not, not in a in a podcasting uh, sort capacity, of right. <laughs> By the way, when's your band playing in Baltimore? Is it the 30th? At the uh, it's, it's July uh, July 5th. It's the first Friday. So, like, our neighborhood does first Fridays, which are really cool. So, like, all the businesses have uh, different uh, specials and, and events outdoors. And, uh, yeah, so we're playing um, at the uh, the Mutt Mart, which is pretty cool. It's a... Uh, it's a, a pet store, a local uh, owned pet store, locally owned pet store, and um, they do pet adoptions. And, nice. Um, so we're doing a, a yappy hour, so it'll be, you know, you can bring your dogs and your drinks and all that good stuff. That's where we got our dog from was actually uh, Mudmart. Uh, so um, oh it's all for a good cause. So uh, You know, you never talk about your band on there. You're so humble. You never kind of pitch your band. Do you guys even have a Facebook page? Yeah, Disappearing Inc. So um, it's made... Uh, the, it, it was a band that was initially started by Lawrence uh, Lanahan, who, uh, speaking of books, actually, his book just came out today, um, The Lines Between Us, which was uh, um, based off of, he used to work for WYPR, so he used to do uh, a radio show for them, um, and it's about the racial, uh, the racial diversity between um, two families in uh, Baltimore. And wow. uh, actually, tonight he's doing a... a a book signing and a talk actually as we're speaking. So I wish him the best of luck. And um, is that an atomic too? 
No, his is at the uh, not the Red Canoe. It's at um, I can't remember the name of the uh, of the the book uh, venue right now, but um, it's right down the road from us. Um, like it's like a ten minute walk from here from my house. But um, yeah, yeah. So it's a, it was his old thing that he did. Uh, uh, that he wrote a bunch of songs and um, yeah. One day we met at a. Uh, it's funny. We met at a uh, block party, and we got to talking, and um, he asked if I played music. I was like, yeah, and he played, and so we jammed out his house one day, and a few of the other dads <laughs> in the neighborhood came over, and uh, we started jamming out, and we just kept going. So we, we played our Forget first show. Forget boy band. Months. You're a dad band. Yeah, we're, we are a straight dad band. I mean, it's nice because practice is like a 10-minute walk down the street. Um, we usually don't start till like eight thirty because you know we're putting our kids down or trying to help get our kids ready for bed. So and we all understand it. So if something comes up, we get it because gotcha. we're all in, we're all in the same boat. But it's well, been I fun. I haven't it's seen really you good. guys live. I haven't seen this new band. Um, but I imagine anything born out of a block party has to be cool. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's really good. All righty, well, let's move on. we got to get tonight's guest in here. Tonight's yeah. guest is a composer, vocalist, and pianist who has an incredibly powerful connection with her fans who are affectionately called zombies. Her music has a message of strength, hope, and solidarity, and her live performances totally kick ass. From the Nashville band, The Nearly Deads, the creatively passionate Teresa Jean. TJ, how's it going? Good. How are you? We are doing awesome. Are well, Welcome yeah. to the show. This is our first time chatting with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Which is weird because I'm in Knoxville and I think you you guys are actually the first Tennessee band we've had on after all these years. Wow, that's awesome. So glad that we could kind of break new ground here. Um, I want to start off with this because I ran across you guys a few months ago on the interwebs on YouTube. And what I find interesting about your origin story is the Nearly Deads were formed in Nashville, of course, in 2010. You released your first EP in 2011. And in that same year, you have this huge success with your video for Never Look Back. Mm -hmm. And now that the dust has kind of settled on that, and fast forward eight years later, that video is still your most viewed video by a pretty decent margin. And I was just kind of wondering that creatively for you, is everything about trying to get back to that moment, recreate that same success and catch lightning in a bottle again? Or are you constantly keeping your focus straight ahead and just concentrating creatively on making the best music you can and never looking back like the song says? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question because it is a lot of pressure, right? When you like have a kind of a viral success, you're just like, wow, are we, is that, you know, is that going to happen again? Like, we didn't really know that it was going to happen the first time. Um, so I feel like it, it is more of a, like, a looking forward thing because that video, like, we filmed it in my basement. We brought our friends over, bought pizza and beer, put on some zombie makeup. I mean, it was the first time director who also <laughs> produced our EP, but he had never even directed. He had wow. done some stuff. He had a nice camera, but it was kind of like his first video, and he didn't even really, like, I mean... He gave us a very discounted rate. I don't even know if he actually <laughs> did pay him anything. But, you know, for it to have the success that it has, we were just like, what's happening? This is crazy. And then we were like, oh, we got to take this band thing seriously. Like, people like us. It's getting <laughs> everywhere online. Um, so that changed the game for us, and it still does every day. It's still the number one thing that people see when they find out who we are. Um, and but at 8 million like, views, do you feel like you're living in the shadow of that? Because you have other videos that are like at a million or a few hundred thousand. Do you do you kind of feel like you're under the shadow of that? Or do you try not even to think about things like that and you're just always focusing on the next project? We're always focusing on the next thing, really. I mean, it, it's not like, for me, I don't know that our other videos, I feel like our other videos aren't getting that kind of viral reach because the way that things are shared has changed since eight years ago. True that. Um, the algorithms, the YouTube, even YouTube, like you used to, not everybody used to get monetized and now everyone mm -hmm. is monetized. Things are very different. So the reason that our video successful came out at the right time and I'm still, I'm thrilled. I, I mean, I thought maybe we would get a hundred thousand views on it. So the fact that it has 8 million is like crazy to me and it's awesome. 
and we have like 65,000 subscribers. And so they all see everything we do. It's, it has been like a big blessing to us. Um, and with evil ways, I think is the next highest one. And um, that was for me, a real telling point because we had put a lot of money into a lot of other videos and they weren't as successful. But for me, the message behind my evil ways was why it resonated and why it did so well, as well as never look back. So I think it almost is like, it's our like litmus test for, okay, what do people like hearing from us? What do they maybe love, but not, it's not the best thing. So it kind of like showed us like what kind of messages we need to put out there. Odell, we're both coming from the band worlds. We played and you still play in, and we played in bands. I used to own a production company, and we kind of know yeah. how this works. And it sounds like TJ has a really good grasp on this because a lot of people would get bogged down by that sort of thing. Yeah, and I think that's uh, the, the, the really refreshing thing about that is, is the fact that you're not worried or concerned about how many hits you get on a video. Um, and, and you can tell it's just one of those things. You go with it. You have fun with it. But, you know, a lot of times people get so consumed on that that they lose, the, like, the content and actually somewhat their integrity when they're writing because they're so concerned about that. Um, I know being, being a rock band from Nashville, how hard is that? Because Nashville is very eclectic, but I think the last decade or so it's, it's opened its eyes a little bit more and ears, if you will. So how, how, how has that transition been over the since you, you guys have been around for about a decade? How has that uh, transition worked there in Nashville? It's been great for us. I mean, it really helped us cut our teeth. You know, I think we had met all in Tampa. I don't really know that we would learn how to be a band if we stayed in Tampa. Everyone mm. in Nashville is so professional, and people are like, hey, you need this, you need this. Like, you here's a producer, here's you know, people who will help you and guide your way. Everyone helps each other out, especially in the rock community because it's smaller. Um, yeah. And, you know, um, we had the opportunity to open up for Hailstorm a few times in Nashville, and they're kind of based out of that area now. So you get to kind of rub elbows with, like, bigger and bigger people when you're in a town like Nashville. Um, but the, the biggest thing that's changed over the years is venues have been closing. So there's not as many places to play. Wow, um, Okay. Venues have closed, venues have opened, but there there was kind of this old community at this place called the Rutledge. I don't even know what it is now. I was right downtown on Fourth Avenue, and it was like the best place, and it was all ages, and like that's where we like met all of our other network of bands. And now, when you look back at those show flyers, you're like, man, we're the only band on that flyer that's still a band. Still so, around? Wow! Wow! Uh, you know, it's like we and we we also had the opportunity to tour within this moment, and one of their big gems of wisdom was they're like it's all about being the last band standing them and yeah. hailstorm it took them you know it took them about 10 years or more to get where they are today so we're just like all right man we're like we're on the right track like nothing happens overnight and if they're telling us you know hey just be the last band standing that's all that matters like that's that's kind of where our heads are at at this point so we've been able to just meet so many incredible people being in nashville and just have this great network um and everyone really helps each other out, honestly. I don't. I wouldn't say it's even really that competitive. It's really like you just know everybody because it's such a small percentage of people that are doing rock and metal in right. Nashville. Yeah, and you I know. Also, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Adele. Oh uh, no, and I was I was just going to uh, uh, follow up with um, one of the last bands I was in, uh, the Fallen one. Uh, one of my good friends and stuff, uh, uh, Chris Chris Dunn. He was from Tampa. And uh, he moved up here on an internship for college and everything. And um, he was uh, telling me, like, when he moved up here uh, to the D.C. Uh, to the D.C. Baltimore region, that he was really happy to get up here and play because it's funny because people don't really think about, um, you know, they're like Tampa, Florida, but there are a lot of bands in the Tampa region, the rock, indie emo screamo type bands in that area so getting up into nashville that yeah that that's 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 a really cool that was a really good thing for you guys it was like the next you know it was like the next move really mm -hmm. we were like okay how far can you really get in in tampa um and then there was just things that we learned that were just invaluable you know just you know how to get your ducks in a row like legally how to get a band agreement and a lawyer and like 
copyright your music, things like that, that you just like, if you're just playing bars every night, you never really get around to doing that stuff and taking it seriously. But like I said, when the video went big, we were like, okay, like we need to like, we need to figure this out. Um, And my, um, you know, lead guitarist, Steve Toby is like the business side of things. And he, you know, I couldn't do it without him, man. Like he keeps us in track, like everything, make sure everybody gets paid, make sure everything gets paid for like all that as an independent band. It's like, he's, we're basically, you know, co-owners of this business. Well, another thing though, I think you guys really have an advantage in two things actually is one, when I watch you guys in the videos and on stage, you can tell everybody wants to be there. Everybody gets along. There's a true chemistry there. And two, and most importantly, the connection you guys have with your fans is a lot of people would wish for that type of connection with their fan base. I just, I really appreciate that you guys, you know, even recognize that we just, you know, we wouldn't exist as a band without them. You got to realize that like people, your fans, your listeners, like that's, that's your people that's the whole reason you do what you do right absolutely got to give back to them try to be as accessible as possible it's just very important to us to really connect with people and that shows and i mean odell one of the things i'm always fond of saying is our show is only as good as our guests and only as successful as the fans allow us to be yeah i'm just some freaking idiot with a mic i mean the guests (laughs) are the ones who bring the actual magic i'm just sitting here directing (laughs) traffic well, let me talk about something else with the fans, too, because back when me and Odell started playing music a million years ago, back in the 90s, pre Way back in the 90s. <laughs> right. Um, doing music back then, no matter how inclusive you were, there was always this barrier between fan and performer. Just by the nature, the infrastructure of how the music world worked back then. And now we live in an age where everybody knows everything about anyone and everyone as far as access goes, because you're somebody who's really accessible and out there for people, how do you kind of navigate that? Because the more open you are, also the more open you are to like trolls and haters. Like, how do you kind of insulate yourself from the negativity of the online world while also remaining so open and generous as an artist? Um, I, I have to say, luckily, I don't find as much negativity at all these days, you know, um, like when I look, the biggest thing that I think a lot of people say is don't read the comments, don't read your YouTube comments, just unless, but at the same time, there's a lot of positive ones too. So like years and years ago, when we did never look back and that went viral, I will say, I, there were some comments I just couldn't handle. People are just so mean and belittling you. And we were constantly getting compared to Paramore and things like that. And I was taking them all real personally and it just sucked. So I just stopped reading them. I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm just worried about the people who like what I do. Not who cares about the people who don't, right? Because obviously a lot of people like it. You know, obviously we've getting tons of likes and tons of positive comments. So I just focus mm-hmm. on those, really. You got to focus on the positive. Um, in today's music industry, it's kind of impossible to not be accessible, right? Because everyone else is. And you have to stay competitive. And you have to give that to people. Or as an independent band, you're going to not have a fan base that's going to support you moving forward people expect a certain amount of accessibility you know meeting them at the merch table like met even replying to their comment could seem like something very small that takes five seconds for us to do but it means a lot to somebody out there so we try our best to do that yeah um but i do keep a lot of things very private and it's it's not always easy but i think i just I'm <laughs> I'm pretty introverted at the end of the day. I'm very like right. choosy with like what I do put online and I I'm very weird about like sharing like my location and where I am unless I'm on tour. Like you don't need to know where I'm at. I don't check in like, oh hey, I'm at this place right now. Like Yeah, it's too Orwellian for up. me. I don't do you that. You gotta either. be you gotta be safe, right? You gotta be safe. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, well I know no. uh, Yeah. So um so what she was saying with like getting trolls and stuff like that, just today, uh, Chris Jericho from wrestling has this band called Fozzie and I'm not a huge fan of the band. I think it's a little cheesy, but I was mm-hmm. reading the comment section and people were, <laughs> and, and the article said, Chris Jericho says no new Fozzie album slated at least till 2020. And the comment thread was just like, Oh, what would we do without Fozzie? Oh, you guys suck. Oh, this is the best news. 
And I'm just thinking, like, why are you even here if you're not a fan yeah, why? of the band? Why? Right. Like, why are you taking time? I read <laughs> why another are you political, wasting your breath on that? Yeah. I read another political you... article today, and somebody chimed in. It was uh, it was on abortion, and someone chimed in, and they were like, well, come all you losers don't have a job. Anybody who's commenting on this thread must be on welfare. And I'm like, dude, you're commenting on this thread. Like, <laughs> right. What are you talking about? Like, and it's just the, the venom that is on these threads. Yeah. Odell, I imagine it's got to be really hard for someone coming up today. Could you imagine back in the even Steven Onus days if we were out there like that? Well, I, and this is what I was about to ask and, and talk about. I know um, I, the the last like really big the last band that I was in the Fallen one was a female fronted band. It was me, Chris, and Rachel, and um, and I'll never forget that was at the time of like MySpace and people using their. Uh, their web pages and having um, uh, filters on there where you can ask, ask and answer questions and things of that nature. And people can leave comments um, if you played shows and stuff like that. And I remember uh, Rachel being, being white and Chris and I being black, we would get like racist emails all the time from people. Like, we were, so it got to the point where I, I had to basically, we would just leave them up. I was just like, you know what? I'm not taking this down. I'm gonna let the world see what kind of prick you are, and 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 let other people. But it wasn't it always fake names and stuff. Ninety percent of the time, these yeah. cats have fake profiles, so they they don't even have the strength of their convictions. No, no, and that's the thing. And I remember, and 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 this is a a, a real uh, a question I wanted to ask TJ for a while, um, is that I know I I remember a couple times we 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 had signed with um like a, a small label in DC and a small label overseas. And one of the, uh, the persons that we were working with was telling Rachel, like, look, um, people are there to see you. You have to take on that persona. Because she was very introverted as well. But you have to take on the persona of, hey, you know, talk to people after the show. Hey, sign our mailing list. That's, this is how far we go back. Sign our mailing list, right. things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Be out there because people are there to see you. And then the other guys are there. It's great. But. How does how 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 have you taken that role? Is it something that came naturally as being the? I mean, the focus is on you. I mean, the focus is on the band, but a lot of people are there to see you. Your your influence on female as well as male um, fans. How how have how has that been? How's that transitioning uh, been for you as the band has grown? Man, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Like it is challenging just naturally being introverted. I think a lot of artists are. But I'm very, like, strategic with that time that I give people and with the time that is mine. So there's, like, I don't talk to too many people before the show, but after the show, I'll talk to everybody all night long. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to do what I'm there to do first. I'm very, like, I do my warm-ups. Like, I'm very focused. Like, whatever. But then after the show, I will come out to the merch and talk to people and all of that. Um, and the band really stands behind me. Like, we kind had, of had that talk where it was like, okay, like, you guys need to back me up and support me when I need something because I'm going to have to be the one that's there as the face of the band. And that's male or female. Like if you're the lead singer, you're kind of the face of the band. That is more of a responsibility than the other members have. Um, And that's just a fact. That's just a fact. And just times that by 10 when it's a female, like way more people want to talk to you and way more people, it could be more dangerous to be out by yourself. So I have to like have somebody be with me just in case, you know, you know, nothing's really ever happened. I think one guy grabbed my ass one time, you know, and then right. you're like, all right, I'm never allowed to be alone again. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, people are generally more respectful than that. And there hasn't been too many like weirdos or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of responsibility. Like I do, I'm, I do all the social media that I'm the face of that. So not only just in person, but online. Um, and it's just because I'm naturally, I think, more inclined and i think people expect to be talking to like the lead singer and um you know for all Mm -hmm. the negative components that there are with anything i mean you know life is a balance between the good and the bad or the positive and the negative then something will happen that kind of washes that all the way and i know you've kind of told the story i've heard tell the story in interviews before but it's so amazing to me but something will happen like what happened to you at a show where the parents of an autistic kid came up and said how you had impacted them. Right. Those moments like um, are just incredible. 
they're incredible. And we love hearing them. Like I, Mm -hmm. it keeps us going on days where you're like, the music industry is crap. Nothing's ever going to happen. But then you're like, okay, no, somebody out there, a lot of people out there care about what we do. And when they get to meet us face to face and tell us their story, it means so much to us. It's like, it's, you know, it's it's validating. It's why we do what we do. It's why we go through what we go it through. It fills that energy bar back up like it you're does. Mario oh and you're yeah. a weekend, yeah. and then someone tells you that. It's like, don't, 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 and your energy bar fills back up, and you're like, because I get the same thing. We'll have a run of shows where it doesn't get a whole lot of movement, and then somebody will hit me up and be like, or I'll see a comment um from somebody else sharing another band sharing there's a comedian or someone they'll be like this is the best podcast i've ever heard and it kind of refills that energy bar and then it's kind of like i'm at the burnout kind of falls away and i can go back at it again right <laughs> but well, then i'll make like, something bad and i'm in an emo corner for like <laughs> week, sucking my thumb in the fetal position well it, it just makes you feel so um what's the word it's like you said, it, it definitely, but sometimes as human beings, we naturally just get in, in our own way and we get into ourselves. So I don't care if it's work, playing sports. Okay. After a while, it, it, when you start having that pattern, okay, okay. I'm in a van. I'm going to the next show. I'm playing. We got to load in. We got to do this. My throat hurts. You know, I, I played drums. So my hands would be cut up and I'm like, I really don't want to play tonight because my hands are jacked up. And then you get that one person that's looking at you like, man, we are so happy you are here. We've been waiting for this amount of time for you guys mm-hmm. to show up. And it's just like, you're like, whoa, okay. Hey, you know what? What we do has a purpose outside of us, yeah. us the five of us or the four yeah. or the three of us. And, and, it's, um, and it's an amazing feeling that you're like, wow. If it's just one or two people in the crowd that get it, you know, that's one or two more people that are going home and, and practicing on their guitar that that much more or playing the drums that much more or or trying to sing that much more and and and, and it just carries you're, you're like passing that torch which i think it's really uh, it's a phenomenal thing when you really look back at it yeah definitely can we go back to your origins again real quick because there there's another thing i find really interesting about you guys and this is something that we don't really have a lot of this coming through here with the other bands i didn't realize how much kind of your origin story was steeped in winning different contests and awards, um, especially in the beginning. Like, you had the Converse Battle of the Bands, and you won Best Live Rock Performance for the Nashville Industry Music Awards. Let's get philosophical here. When all this stuff happens with your first video going viral and all these different awards and recognitions, right, like, step one, all that happening, do you feel like this is the end result of just grit and really hard work? Or do you kind of get philosophical about it and go, cosmically, this was supposed to happen. This is all clicking. Like, how do you kind of sum that all up in your brain? Wow. Um, I don't I don't really know. I don't really, I don't know. I definitely, we did, we have worked very hard for sure. Um, we're still grinding it out. I feel like I, don't know, I feel like back then we just had more of a buzz and I will not lie. I think it was because of where the state of the internet was at that moment in time. It was very easy for things to be shared. Um, Facebook was great for us. We got tons of things and everything happened very organically. YouTube, the viral, we didn't pay for any kind of promotion. We didn't have to do any ads or anything like that. We just got all these fans of followers just organically just by talking to people. Twitter, like Twitter was huge too. And now nobody uses Twitter. So all of that like was, I don't know, like we cultivated like that fan base and that so that what we have now, I think is a result of that hard work. And I think back when we started, that was just the initial buzz. And we just don't get as much anymore because the internet landscape has changed. Even the number of people who go to shows, the venues and all across the country that have closed that people used to love to go to, people just don't go to shows anymore. People listen to music online and Spotify and Instagram and whatever, so we focus more on that now than the things that we used to do. That's I don't know smart. If that answers your question. But... Uh, yeah. Well, I always <laughs> like to go down rabbit holes. Let me get back to reality here. <laughs> Being so fan centric, when you go out, and especially when you're playing around Nashville, do you notice a lot of the same people that have been there since 2011, or is your audience always in flux? Um, there's definitely some fans like. I, I love that you mentioned the Converse Battle of the Bands because that was at, um, remember the Journey's Backyard Barbecue? They don't even do them anymore. Yeah. It was like a yeah. BMX. 
a huge thing. And it was like the biggest stage we had ever been on as human beings. Cause we had all been in like <laughs> other bands before. And I, you know, went to college for music and performed concerts, musicals, like things like that. We played in front of big crowds, but nothing like that, nothing like with our music a big festival and then we won by like an overwhelming like you could just tell that there was like three bands and we won overwhelmingly it was like an odd like a fan cheering vote or something or people voted on their phones or texted or something and they were like yeah you guys totally won by a lot um and it was awesome (laughs) (laughs) it was awesome it was one of the first big things that we did and it was another one of those moments where we were like wow like okay like this is going really well like what we have this project is nearly that thing it's like really working yeah, and I'm always interested, especially, I would say the first two years of the show, I had all the bands I grew up with that would come on the show, come on, all the MDCs and Dead Milkmen mm-hmm. and all those bands that I loved growing up. And as I've ventured out and looked for new bands, I'm always interested in kind of like the trajectory these bands have taken. And another thing yeah. I've found different about you guys is you've been together nine years, one full-length album, you have a few other EPs and releases, But for having a catalog that isn't super expansive after almost a decade, you guys have had a tremendous amount of success. So I guess I wanted to ask first off, well, I wanted to make note of that, but I kind of wanted to ask, do you have a new album coming out? Was it issues with the record label and leaving the actual music industry is why you don't have like maybe three or four albums out at this point? Kind of walk me through that. Um, It's a little of all of the above, really. Um, and I, what I was saying earlier, I totally forgot to circle back, which was the backyard barbecue show was when we got introduced to a lot of people in Nashville. And yes, a lot of those fans still come to all of our shows. So I oh, never cool. like finished. I was like, why did I start talking about that? Um, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> right on. I say hard super fans from day one and they're still there and we love them and they're on the Patreon and they're like, we're friends now. And it's like awesome. Um, but yes, um, so next question was, why don't we have a lot of albums? The reason is so, like, the music, it's just the music industry is changing. It's a single-space industry. Um, it, there, our record label, when we were on it, didn't even give us, um, like, the budgets that labels give bands now, especially smaller labels, are not even realistically enough to record a full-length album. Um, that's just reality. Um, I think a lot of other little bands like smaller bands who get signed to smaller labels kind of realize that yeah. they kind of expect you to pay for a lot of it yourself too. So that deal didn't really work out for reasons I can't really go into, but um, obviously that was like years and years ago and we've been independent. So what we've discovered is because we have a fan base, we fund everything with crowdfunding. We did Indiegogo, we did pledge music, we've done Kickstarter. Now we're doing Patreon. So whatever the new crowdfunding thing is, clearly we'll try it. And we've got the fan base to kind of back it up to where we're like, oh, okay, now we have this much dollars to work with. So it's really a matter of like having to pay for the studio time ourselves as an independent band and how much that costs. And is it worth it to spend all this time in the studio making a full length album? Or can we just, you know, do a single here or there? That's what we're doing now anyway. The EPs and stuff, it's, it's really just more cost effective, honestly. And people only listen to like those one or two songs off of it anyway. And, you know. <laughs> well, and once again, I'll circle back around. This is a testament of the connection you have with your fans because you have the success of a band that has five or six albums out. I was blown away when I was yeah, like, yeah. one full-length album out and they have this much success. You're, you you have the success level of a band that has five, six, seven albums out. And I think that's all, all based on your... Right. Well, <laughs> I'll say it's all also because, because of the fan back. base, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you didn't cultivate that fan base, if that video blew up and you were kind of like Demi Moore, like, I will not perform without a hairstylist and 99 brown M&Ms, like you wouldn't be where you are. It's cultivating that <laughs> fan base and making that connection that has propelled you guys to a place where you have so much success, even though you just have that one album and a few EPs. So I find that incredible. Like I said, this stuff is always interesting to me. Yeah, I, I really do truly appreciate that as well because sometimes it doesn't, sometimes we sit at home, not on the road, and we're like, man, we don't feel like we're successful in that moment. But I guess when you kind of look back at it, it does, you know, we're still able to keep doing what we're doing. So yeah, I really appreciate you saying that. 
Well, good. Like I said, if I can inspire anybody, even in my littlest way, then the episode's a success. <laughs> All right, let's shift gears here, because I do want to go back and talk a little bit about, you said you were classically trained. That's true. You have a bachelor's um, from the University of South Florida, right? In composition. Correct. And yeah. having that background in musical theater as well, I've got to imagine that gave you a huge leg up when it came to things like stage presence, and especially putting the Nearly Dead videos together, like storyboarding them and coming up with concepts. That had to be a huge help. Um, absolutely a huge help. And I will say, um, as well, it's a different kind of training, like music theater and stuff and classical, obviously, than what I do and where I learned the most of my, like I have performing stage presence, but in between songs, talking to the audience, things like that, I was not very good at. My band <laughs> in Tampa was called Blondes Not Bombs. And it was like a Dresden Dolls vibe with uh, me on piano and I have a drummer. So if you guys know the Dresden Dolls, I was so into them. Punk, Amanda Waller mm. is still like my icon. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, we just kind of goofed off. We didn't take, we, you know, we took it seriously, but it was like, okay, I'm sitting behind the piano. I'm here where I'm comfortable. I played piano my whole life. So when you take that away and put me up on the front of the stage, I was like, man, I really don't know what I'm doing. I had these other bands. We've had some awful, terrible shows. I was like, I need to get better at this. And back when I was living in Tampa, um, I bartended down in Ybor City at the Coyote Ugly. And it was awesome. Ybor City, too. Been, God bless you. Yeah. It was, it, was a, it was a wild ride, man. It was the time of my life. The girls there were like family. And I had a blast. But, man, like it is like if you ever seen the movie and the girls are like, get on stage or like do something. Here's a microphone. Go. I'm like, it is really like that. Mm -hmm. And I used to sing along to like rock and stuff and everybody and people loved it. And then you had to like engage the crowd while being on the bar. It was like being on a stage. And I truly, I attribute that to like my current stage presence because you just flip a switch. You're like, all right, right now I'm like a coyote. It's a different attitude. It's a different everything. So it goes from being like demure, little like opera singer, like totally I was like that when we went to the studio the first time I had like sheet music prepared and like, I was like all <laughs> ready to be. And they, our producer was just like, what are you doing? You need to loosen up. And I was like, okay. But I had all this coyote ugly experience and it was just rough and tumble. Like, Oh my gosh, like liquor flying everywhere. It was just a party every single night. So I'm like, okay, well I learned how to like host a party and like be a front person from that more so way more so than I did being in like, man I'm glad you shared that that is an <laughs> yeah. amazing story you just gotta go for it like you just gotta not worry about looking stupid and that's something that you learn when you do like improv classes or theater or anything like that um, so I learned a lot of that like way back in like high school about like just you can always do more and pull back you can never like bring something out of somebody that they just don't have like so I would that's rather true. go right. out there and look stupid and then watch the video and be like what was i doing um, but, <laughs> like i'm just not afraid of looking stupid anymore but i well, you know been through a lot so when i look at other kids that are just starting bands you have to tell they're the ones who need to hear that they're the ones who you need to be like hey like you're not going to look stupid you're going to look awesome if you head yeah, or yeah but they're exactly. so afraid to you got to yep. they, they need to know that like, Hey, I was like that one day too. I was shy and timid. And, but like, now I don't give a fuck. I don't care. You have to go a hundred. It's like trying <laughs> to go chasm. Yeah. If you run full speed and then kind of hesitate last minute, you're going to fall into the chasm. But if you run full speed and just dive and put your arms out, you'll make it to the other side. And you just got to kind of free fall. It's a leap of faith. Really. When you get on stage, that you're just going to go 100% and just let the dominoes fall where they're going to fall. And if you do it with conviction, man, people will eat up whatever you do. Whatever you do, yeah. you have conviction towards it. And, man, it'll look like you meant to do it. You meant to fall on your ass or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, that right there is straight from theater because that's what they used to tell me in theater class in high school. Nobody knows if you make a mistake, so just act as if. Exactly, and yeah. Going. And, yeah, that is a lot of just something that's been ingrained with me from just a young age being very into theater and stuff like that so one more thing i kind of want to touch on and then we're going to play another song from you guys is i read in a few interviews that sometimes you struggle with the writing process lyrics and writer's block and i just kind of wanted to know how you work through that when you have writer's block if you can give some advice to all the artists out there that might struggle with it too um yeah i um 
it's, I mean, it's something I think everybody struggles with. It's, I'm like being a composer, you know, always write words to the music. So like melody and things like that. I'm always constantly thinking of things. I'm always humming into my like voice memos, but lyrically it's so hard to come up with something that's like not corny or cliche or been sung a thousand times. So that's when I really get into my head about it. Not so much maybe writer's block. I don't have any ideas or I'm just uninspired or there's just, there's too much music out there. You get defeated is more so the feeling. Um, And the way I just, I don't know, I just push through it by just keeping writing and just focusing on um, like certain buzzwords. I was just telling my, my little, uh, my, my new bomb shelter Patreon group, we just did like a stream and I was saying how I like to think of a buzzword or a title or something to kind of go off of. Like when I was writing the song Brave, I kind of just like wrote a bunch of like things that mean the same thing and just did like a word tree. And I'm just like, all right, like these are going to inspire me in some way. So just, you know, um, just even if it's just pulling out the old rhyming dictionary and being like, oh, I never thought of that word. Hey, that kickstarts a line and just write and then cross it out and then write more and then cross that out and toss it out on the floor and start over and like just keep doing it. That's the only thing I can really think of to do. Well, I'm glad you um, kind of talked about that process, too, because, you know, as we've mentioned, your lyrics are very honest, very personal. And a lot of what you write about is about the band's adversities, both personal and professional. But now that you guys are kind of on more solid ground, are you still writing from that place of adversity or are you kind of shifting? Like, where do you feel like you're heading as an artist? Um, Wow, that's a good question. It's it's um, it's hard to say because I don't really that's it's never like an intentional thing. It's always just how I am in that moment when I'm writing that, that particular piece of music or that song. Um, but there, I will say that we have been in the studio recently and the subject matter is very, my journey in the music industry. I don't know why, but I just keep going back to that. And I think it's because I'm super happy in my personal life right now. Like I'm about to get married. Like I just, Oh, wow. Congrats. Oh, wow. Hey, congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yes. So I'm like super happy, but when you start to like sit down and write rock and roll, you're like, okay, well we got to get back to the nitty gritty. Like what's going, you know? Um, and I think I just still pull from those things as that, that's still the main challenge of my life. That's still what I'm mainly struggling with, still trying to make it, still trying to get out there. Um, so I feel like that's why I still keep going back to that. Um, and that's a, why a lot of our songs are about that, because that was our journey. Like, that's why we wrote Revenge and called the album Revenge, because right. we right. didn't want to stop making music because of what had happened, because a lot of other bands that went through what we went through aren't bands stop. anymore. Yeah, yeah. They just stop. They just stop. They just start, you know, and that's fine. Like, if somebody, it's hard to say that that's not okay, because everyone's life is their own to live. You know, some people just, don't want to be in a touring band. Some people just can't, that's not like what they want for their life, which is totally fine. Mm -hmm. I'm not discounting anyone who wants to, you know, start a different career and have a family or whatever. But I always kind of thought it wasn't really fair how artists are supposed to be broken, starving forever with no houses and no families. Um, I kind of like want to have it all and I still want to have it all. And I'm still not sure if I can, but I'm trying (laughs) <laughs> well, D. Snyder, who I quote him all the time, I love D. Snyder from Twisted Sister. He is one smart cat. Um, he talks about how Twisted Sister basically imploded because once they got to a level of success, he wasn't pissed off anymore. So he couldn't write metal <laughs> lyrics anymore. Do you worry about fame changing you to a point where you don't have that same drive and passion? I mean, do you worry about getting complacent if you reach a certain um, level of fame? Or do you think you'll always be feeding off that energy where we were talking about earlier? It's always going to refill that energy bar for you. I mean, I hope that I get to be so successful that I become complacent, right? I don't know. I would hope I get famous someday. You know, that's like the end game. So, um, no, I don't, I don't know. I don't worry about that. That's what I want my life to be. I want it to be art 100% of the time. So like, I don't think, I think I would always be energized to keep more of that in my life. Right on. All right. Um, We're going to play Freak Show, which is one of my favorite singles, one of my favorite songs from you guys. Is there anything you want to tell us about this before we hit play? Um, Freak Show is just kind of something I wrote on the piano. It started off as a piano song and um, 
it's all about, it's kind of about the writer's block that we were just kind of touching on. It's about how you're kind of, I've been kind of in my head lately and there's a lot of pressure to be perfect, especially as a female in the music industry. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm really hoping that it translates into anybody who may be feeling some sort of pressure in their life to live a certain way or be a certain way. And everybody kind of has a little freak show going on in their own head. Absolutely. And and before we play the song, I want to hit one more point. I love the cadence in the verses it, it could almost easily be translated into a rap song, your cadence in those, in, in those verses. I just love the way that you word everything in that song. Thank you. All right, let's play some Freak Show. with TJ from the Nearly Deads. Um, let's kind of wrap up with this. I recently joined your Patreon. I know Zombie Nation had a Patreon. Tell us about the Patreon, what's going on with that, and what people can expect to find in the Secret Bomb Shelter group. Um, yeah, so I just started my own personal Patreon. We've had tremendous success with the Zombie Nation, um, and that's still going on. So if you guys want to join the Zombie Nation, the Nearly Dead Patreon, we have some really cool exclusive stuff. Um, and that's basically how, as an independent band, we're able to keep funding our projects, our videos, things like that. So I wanted to start the Bomb Shelter and the Bombshell Academy to kind of share my knowledge that I've learned as being a front woman, do some more um, things that are centered mostly around like what I do in the band, giving advice, songwriting tips, 
vocal lessons if that's that's what you want to do because I really wanted to give back from the perspective of like a rock singer because there's a lot of like options for like voice lessons I encourage anybody to get get out there and get voice lessons yeah. or piano lessons or whatever or be a songwriter but if you're really into rock and roll I mean what a chance to have it kind of catered more towards that you know that's what I would have wanted when I was starting but I had to go and get like a formal music degree instead so um but I want to do stuff like that and then it's also just going to be like fun little stuff like you know signed photos exclusive stuff that I'm not sharing anywhere else I'm not sharing on the nearly dead patreon um, and just a way to kind of create a little community, which I'm hoping, because I just started it, so there's not a ton of people on it yet, but I'm really hoping that it can be a community for people to say, hey, here's my band's newest single, what do you guys think? And everyone kind of shares and posts and gives feedback. And if somebody needs advice on something, or I want to start my band, how do I do it? Or, you know, anything. Um, struggling to be confident on stage, I just want to be that place where people can, like, talk and come together and share those ideas. That's awesome. Another thing I think is really cool today, as opposed to when I was young, I remember, and we're, and we're talking about this barrier again between the artist and the fan. My dad used to do um, ham radios, and he would sit in his den and talk to people all over the world and had call letters and all that. And he ended up talking to the guy that wrote that movie they play on TBS um, nonstop during Christmas, A Christmas Story, You're Going to Shoot Your Eye Out, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He met the guy that wrote that movie. And we knew what that movie was. All the kids in my school at like nine, ten years old knew what it was. And my dad's like, yeah, I'm friends now with the guy who wrote – that was like the internet back then. It was ham radios. He's like, yeah, I'm friends now with the guy who wrote A Christmas Story. And I was like the most popular kid in school. They're like, you know, your dad knows the guy who wrote A Christmas Story. And now <laughs> there is such access to everybody – I feel like that intimidation level has gone down. I mean, when you're talking to a 19-year-old kid fresh out of high school, maybe is just learning how to play guitar, just learning how to play the piano, do you feel like there's a level of intimidation there when they're talking to you? Or has the internet just totally blown those barriers away where people just seem like people now? I mean, I really hope people don't feel intimidated um, because I'm, I'm always telling people like, I'm just me, you know what I mean? Like I'm nothing to be intimidated. I don't, I don't feel I'm definitely not famous, things like that. I'm just like, don't worry. It's just me. Um, and that's just how I am, I guess. Um, I don't really think that a lot of people get intimidated. Um, and also like with Patreon and all those things, it's a, it's a crowdfunding thing. So they are essentially paying for that benefit. So it's, it's more of like a service that more than anything, you know what I mean? And it's a way yeah. for us to say, like, hey, this takes us a lot of time to do. Um, so it's not like I can just do a Skype session with everybody all the time. So it is something that people are paying to have. So that takes a little bit of the intimidation away from it. Because it's like, okay, you know, you realize that I don't have a lot of time. So you're willing to say, like, hey, like, I will support you. Um, and then we just become friends with people. Like, when I do just like a Skype session, a lot of these fans have been fans of ours for a long time. We've met them several times want to support they love what we do and it's so much it's so awesome you live in such a positive world yeah i've yeah, got so many bands on here especially like the more old school punk bands like dave dichter from mdc is telling stories how nazi skinheads have put hits on them and stuff and just oh because God, of his no. lyrics and and then talking to you and it's just like you just live in such a positive creative world <laughs> my hat's well, off to you yeah it's refreshing because like you're talking about, yes, people are paying for these services. But I remember, like, going to cl clubs when they would have, like, a whole bunch of artists in there, and they would be doing this or having these brief talks with you. And I re I'll never forget, we went to this one club, and I'll, I'll leave the name out just because it, it, it is what it is. Does but it I still exist? The club yeah, the club? Oh, it, it, it's, definitely, it's definitely around in D.C. I and, know what and you're it, about then. Yeah, and, um, and I remember... Uh, uh, me and a good friend went and we were sitting there and the guy was like, I would say about 75% of you people in here will not play this, ever play this club. And I'm like, Oh, thanks. Thanks. I just wasted my Saturday. You know, that's the, that, I love the way you start off your panel <laughs> by basically crapping on everybody before we even start. There's kids in there. There's, I mean, it, it, the age range from like 11 to, you know, 30s. And, and some of the people that talked on this panels were, people that we really looked up to and it just it just totally killed the, the whole thing 
And that's what I was talking about earlier. Like, I just don't understand people who get off on, like, sinking people's ship, who just jump on comment threads just to, like, crap all over everyone. If you don't like Fozzie, I mean, I'm not a I like Jericho. I think he's got a great personality and stage presence. I'm not a fan of the band. But if I met him, I would be like, oh, yeah, dude, I love your wrestling. But you know what? Your band sucks, and you should be ashamed of yourself and pee your (laughs) pants and sit in a corner. Like, what would be the purpose of that? Like, I don't understand why somebody would do that. Because eventually, you're going to need those people in your club. Eventually, they're going to get older, and eventually, they're going to play. And that, and, and for a lot of people, that just drives them even more to be like, you know what? I remember what you told me, and I'm going to practice a little bit more, and I'm going to do this. And all of a sudden, down the road, you're going to need people like me to play here. And yeah. um, and that's what happened. I mean, that club, you know the. They, they they do okay, but it's nothing like it was before. And I and I sit there and I wonder, like, man, I wonder if it was one of those things where you're totally brushing off a lot of people and 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 holding advice back or n- not willing to talk. Um, how that affects people and and like, hey, yeah, I remember that club. I'm not going to play there. I'll play at this other club because there's another one right down the street. So. Wow, we were kind of ended on a sour note. All right, TJ, <laughs> tell us where we can find everything Nearly Dead's on the interwebs and how we can join your Patreon. Oh my gosh, the Nearly Dead's are everywhere on online. Um, Instagram, the Nearly Dead's official. Facebook, the Nearly Dead's. Um, we have Twitter, and we have our Zombie Nation Patreon dot com slash the Nearly Dead's. And then my personal Patreon is Patreon dot com slash Teresa Jean. And I'm also on Facebook as Teresa Jean of the Nearly Dead. I have an official page. You guys have been showing me lots of love, so thank you. Oh, and it's no all problem. brand new. So. Right on. And I want to thank you for calling into the show. It's been a complete yeah. delight. Our, where are you guys playing? Are you guys touring it all this summer? Um, with no plans to tour right now. We're still working on new music. Oh, wow. Yeah, we look awesome. forward to hearing that's, that. That's cool. Yeah. All righty, and we're going to um, go out with another Nearly Dead song. We're going to play some Brave. I particularly like the lyrics of this song, by the way. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks for calling in, guys. We'll be back next week with Scott Hill from Fu Manchu. Good night, all. Thank, Bye. thank you so much for having me. Bye.